Good morning, everybody. Today is Monday, August 29th. Welcome to episode number 185 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier. And over the next 30 minutes, I'll be delivering the top cybersecurity news of the day and providing expert analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner, or if you're looking to break in the industry, we got you covered. But before we get into that, I want to say shout out and thanks to this stream sponsor, Barricade Cyber Solutions. <clears throat> Excuse me. Bar uh, cyber criminals have stolen your company's data and derailed your business operations. Barricade Cyber Solutions will help you resolve this ransomware attack and more importantly, get your business back on track. Take a minute, open a tab, barricadecyber.com. Go back to it later. If you don't have a plan in place, if you're, you know, kind of a matrixed IT shop with security responsibilities, if you don't have dedicated um, blue teamers working for you, when you get punched in the mouth, guys, you're going to be busy enough dealing with all that's going on. Having somebody like Barricade Cyber to call is going to be a lifesaver. And by the way, make you look awesome because you got the answers. I want to remind you, if you hold professional certifications that require CPEs, each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing is worth half a CPE, just like this one right here. So I know half a CPE sounds like, why do I even get out of bed for half a CPE? Well, they stack. If you're here on the regular, like many of you are, we're talking two and a half a week, roughly 10 a month, roughly 30 a quarter, roughly 120 a year. You'll, you'll blow out your CPEs and have extra to like, you know, throw on Bourbon Street like like beads, okay? That's how many CPEs you're going to have. So be sure to say what's up in chat so you can document literally the easiest and I would argue the most enjoyable way to earn CPEs. And I, you know, find somebody long in the tooth in here and ask them how they got CPEs, you know, back in their mid-2000s. It's, it's probably watching webinars that they were not interested in. Brutally one-hour webinars for one credit. Okay, if you are live with us, love it. I see 52 of us in here. Already stacking up. We are pushing to several different feeds right now. Stacking up, which is really, really nice. Go ahead and hit hashtag team live or say where you're calling in from. I do love it. I think, I think guys, occasionally we try to like run the globe and see if we can get everyone. I think I might make that like a Wednesday activity. Like every Wednesday, let's try to try to run the globe. And that way we can um, canonize it and it'll be like a Wednesday thing. Just like Friday is a grace and joke thing. If you're watching on replay, thank you very much. The CPEs count just the same as if you're on replay. Go ahead and put a hashtag team replay uh, in comments just so you have that auditable evidence and any auditor from any certification body is going to be like, oh, you didn't do this. What's this daily cyber threat briefing? This is nonsense. And you're like, boom, here's a link. See you later, pal. Okay. Now, if you are on replay, lucky you, this right here, whoop. When this turns to news, we're off and running. And if you're listening on your audio podcast app of choice, which I'm going to post right after we finish this, um, you can just skip ahead like two minutes. But for the next two minutes, I like to have my coffee and say good morning to all of you before we get into the news, right? So let's let's just do that. Good morning, Arturo Sanchez. Good to see you. Hey, Alicia Jerry, always nice. Joel Belt, my man. Good to see you. Cosmic vibes, I love it. Oh, cosmic vibes, I like that. Omatola. Is uh, hashtag team live? Hey, Kimberly, good to see you. Yeah, Worldwide Wednesday. Thanks, Cosmic. Uh, if you don't mind, I will appropriate that. Mm. If you guys got the uh, actionable Intel email this morning, let me know in chat. If you have any feedback, drop it in the comments here. I do go back and watch the comments or get on Discord and share it with me. Um, I have a couple comments I already got about kind of the, the format of it. Not the format, but like the font is black on the top and it should be 
white so it pops off. Maybe put the Simply Cyber logo in there. L little things like that. Ooh. What? Dreon becoming a member. Thanks, Dreon, so much for joining the squad. You got access to all those sick emotes now, so definitely get on top of those. Let me know on the actual intel. Uh, oh, look at this. On a bike already put it to use informing family members to patch Apple devices. Guys, I'll tell you right now. I said it in my GRC Analyst Masterclass. Really, at the end of the day, it sounds a little draconian, but at the end of the day, security awareness's main objective is to adjust end user behavior, right? You want them to make better decisions because in the absence of knowledge, they'll make their own decisions based on whatever risk calculus they have. So good job on a bike sharing that in, uh, actionable intel. Hopefully everybody got it. I will tell you guys, um, I tested negative for COVID, but I am running 100.6 fever as of right now. So <laughs> if I have a, a, a sheen on me, a glisten, it's because I am uh, in a cold sweat right now. And it's, <laughs> it's very unpleasant. Slept horrible. Feel like I got beat with a bag of doorknobs. Mm. John Kyle, my man. Thank you, John. Hey, Greg Wilson. Yo to you. Eric Jordan. All right, guys. I think we've had a couple. Uh, um, we've had some coffee and some some pleasantries. So let's let's go. I do want to keep the show to forty five minutes, as I agreed. Uh, we would start doing. We are, by the way, two hundredth episode is coming up in fifteen shows. I've got some plans um, to to do retrospective bloopers, funny sound effects, manual sound effects, all these things. Mm. All right, guys. Let's plow through. Thank you for being here. Let's get into the news. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. It's Monday, August 29th, 2022. Hackers breach LastPass developer system to steal source code. Password management service LastPass has confirmed a security incident that resulted in the theft of certain source code and technical information. The security breach is said to have occurred two weeks ago, targeting its development environment. The company has stated that no customer data or encrypted passwords were accessed, although it provided no further details regarding the hack and what source code was stolen. LastPass CEO Karim Tuba said, quote, an unauthorized party gained access to portions of the LastPass development environment through a single compromised developer account and took portions of source code and some proprietary LastPass technical information. Okay. All right. A single. I got a new sound effect for you guys. Carl! <laughs> That's Carl. <clears throat> Excuse me. That was hilarious. I, I didn't know I was going to get to use my Carl sound effect right out the gate. Listen, this is a single. I mean, this just goes to show you how vigilant we have to be as security practitioners, guys. That one single user account compromise pushed right up. Uh, and got their entire source code repository compromised, right? Okay, so we need MFA for all these things. Among other things, we need dormant account. Like there's a million things. I'm not going to sit here and tell you all the things that need to happen. What you do need to know, okay, for this one, LastPass is a really big uh, a big deal. Let me let me do this. LastPass is a really big deal. It's it's used like pervasively. Uh, it's ubiquitous as a password vault manager. The source code got stolen. One of the things that LastPass and many of these really good password managers do is that they never have access to your encrypted password. So if you forget your master password, you're SOL, like period, end of story. They cannot help you get back. That is a blessing and a curse. Obviously, if you lose access to your master password, it sucks. But at the same time, it's great to know that a single developer gets popped and all of a sudden, uh, you know, all these uh, sensitive credentials are uh, not compromised. Now, 
One thing I want to point out, I would think that this would have been more of an APT type level threat actor. Getting the source code, yes, that doesn't compromise any type of user account, but when you have the original source code, you begin you can begin to reverse engineer it. You can begin to look for weaknesses and vulnerabilities that can then be exploited. I almost wonder if there is either um, some, you know, like my mind immediately goes to, is there some type of motivation where there is a very specific target that's using LastPass and, or targets using LastPass, and this threat actor needs to get in to get those passwords in order to unlock, you know, a multi-million dollar Bitcoin wallet or something, right? So if we're talking millions and millions of dollars, it's worth the time, energy, and effort to commit to a six-month operation and steal this code and then get, you know, find vulns and then exploit them and all that, right? SOL is uh, crap out of luck. Crap out of luck. You would be crap out of luck, uh, Sasha. Basically means that you're screwed. So um, LastPass as a product was not compromised. I know a lot of people use it. I used to use it. I use Bitwarden now. So I wouldn't freak out and lose my mind. But the final thing I'll say is, guys, <clears throat> you should be using password vaults like this anyways and not have the same password for every system. So if a threat actor is able to exploit LastPass and get some of your passwords or something like that, then they're, well, I guess if they get into all of your passwords, you're kind of screwed. So whatever. LastPass is obviously going to spin this the best way they can because they don't want integrity uh, of their product to be completely compromised. Uh, so, yeah, there's that. Sucks for them. New agenda ransomware appears in the threat landscape. Trend Micro researchers recently discovered a new piece of targeted ransomware tracked as agenda that was written in the Go programming language. The ransomware was employed in a targeted attack against one of its own customers. The investigation into the incident revealed that the threat actor used a public-facing Citrix server as a point of entry, likely using a valid account to access this server and perform lateral movements inside the victim's network. This new ransomware family hit enterprises in Asia and Africa, and its name Agenda comes from the dark web posts by a user named Quilin, Q-I-L-I-N, who is likely linked to the ransomware distributors and through ransom notes. All right. Um trying to honestly <laughs> my brain like phased in and out of focus there for a second um okay so it's a it, it's a it's a ransomware threat actor just like any other ransomware threat actor they are targeting asia and africa so if your clients if your client base is in asia and africa if your businesses are in asia or africa then you might want to have uh heightened awareness of this particular um threat actor but guys the threat actor, you, it's a good thing that I'm running a fever right now and I can't flip out. The threat actor gained access via RDP to Active Directory using leaked accounts. Okay, I have to assume that the threat actor was already inside and then they moved into RDP uh, internally because if these people have RDP open to the internet, it, you're lucky that I'm at a fever and I'm delusional right now because I would lose my mind. Nothing, nothing chaps me more then RDP opened in the net. What, it, like, what are we doing here, people? What are we doing? Um, again, I guess the one thing I would say to this is, you know, ransomware is lucrative, so people are going to keep doing it. But, uh, it, is, it is in Go programming language, which you should be aware of. I'm not saying you need to know how to program in Go, but just be mindful that Go, from my understanding, Go moves, like it, its name implies, it goes very quickly. So when you deploy Go-based ransomware, 
I think it can, um, I think it's operating system agnostic as well. But um, when you deploy Go, it goes like with the Go programming language goes. It's either Go or Rust, but I, I think it's Go. Um, that moves wicked fast. Uh, anyways, what you should do, guys, is go to Shodan, like at, at a bare minimum. And this was in the actionable Intel e email, I think, this week. Go to Shodan.io, go to monitor.shodan.io. Put in your external facing IP addresses. Get your business to pay the 40 bucks a month or whatever to have your whole um, external network range. It's cheap money, guys. It's like 500 bucks a year. Any business can afford that. And you can use it to find um, you know, external facing assets that are misconfigured or um, vulnerable, right? So you, you could find something that's running RDP. You could find something that's running an old version of a VPN uh, concentrator or something like that, okay? So just just be mindful. Again, it's all about best practices. Yeah, Kimberly. Kimberly. 3389 is my favorite number, though. I, I got to let it roll. Facebook Cambridge Analytica data breach lawsuit ends in 11th hour settlement. Facebook has agreed to settle a lawsuit seeking damages for allowing Cambridge Analytica access to the private data of tens of millions of users four years after the Observer exposed the scandal that mired the tech giant in repeated controversy. A court filing reveals that Meta, Facebook's parent company, has in principle settled for an undisclosed sum from a long-running lawsuit that claimed Facebook illegally shared user data with the UK analysis firm. This dramatic move has led some to speculate that it was done to prevent CEO Mark Zuckerberg and Meta's outgoing chief operating officer Sheryl Sandberg from being made to testify during hours of questioning by plaintiffs' lawyers next month. Okay. Um, yeah, guys, you know... If you've been following me for a while, you know how much I love the Facebook Cambridge Analytica story. I, I find if I wasn't in cybersecurity, I would be a data scientist. I find data science absolutely fantastic and just, you know, almost as rich and as complicated and as deep a hole as you want to go down as cybersecurity. And that's why I love it. But I don't have time for data science. Maybe when I retire, I'll get into data science. Cambridge Analytica, you guys definitely watch the Netflix documentary, documentary The Great Hack. I, I, I'm definitely, I'm spiraling, guys. Watch The Great Hack, and um, you'll you'll see all the all the stuff that they did. Cambridge, uh, Facebook, um, they agreed to a settlement, right? So when you settle out of court, you you pay some type of um, financial fine and maybe some sanctions over what you can do or how transparent you have to be <clears throat> going forward. Um, it comes, so I want to know what they have to pay. Facebook has to prove that they are prepared to pay almost any sum of money to avoid the executives answering these questions. And they've already paid $5 billion already. All right, Nicole Hunt. Thanks for the Carl. <laughs> love it. Love it. Love it. Welcome to the, welcome to the, the group. Thanks for the sub. Um, oh my God, guys. Basically, basically, here's the TLDR on this one. Whatever Facebook's big plan was for the data that Cambridge Analytica was using, and potentially, you almost want to think of like third-party powerful political figures approaching Zuckerberg and being like, listen, we want you to work with Cambridge Analytica and manipulate to this outcome, right? If that's what you're doing, that's some like next level... I don't even know if it's called espionage or psychological ops or what, but whatever it is, it's way beyond providing a social media platform 
for businesses to advertise to consumers on way beyond it. We're talking massive manipulation. So I'm not surprised that Facebook, aka Meta, is like, no, 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 no. Like, they just like bust out their checkbook. They're like, what's the number going to be for us to just make this go away? Which is such a classic C-suite move. But we won't get any type of uh, insider redemption on this one. It'll probably be buried in the same warehouse as the Ark of the Covenant and never be told, never be heard from again. Prepare now for quantum computers, says CISA. Uh CISA published a paper last week calling for leaders to start preparing for the migration to stronger secret guarding systems, exploring risk mitigation methods, and participating in developing new standards in the face of the advance of quantum computing. Experts in the field widely accept that the currently experimental quantum computers will achieve superiority over conventional systems by the end of the decade and will quickly render them obsolete with subsequent capability leaps. The agency said, quote, when quantum computers reach higher levels of computing power and speed, they will be capable of breaking public key cryptography, threatening the security of business transactions, secure communications, digital signatures, and customer information, end quote. All right. All right. I mean, whatever. Like, this is this is fine. Way to go, CISA or CISA, if you want to call them that. Yeah, prepare now for quantum computers. I mean, you can't really prepare too much because they're not really here yet, except kind of academically. <clears throat> and uh, once they become mainstream, they claim that it will render normal computers obsolete because the quantum ones will be so much faster, which may be true. But you've got to remember, people. Microsoft has to make like a quantum Windows quantum OS and Apple has to make a Apple quantum OS, right? Or, you know, Mac quantum, right? You can't just install Windows. You can't just install Microsoft Word 32-bit on a quantum computer and be like, work. You know what I mean? Like, it's not going to, it's not going to happen. Obviously, they'll have to put these things in place. It makes me think of two things though. One, um, it, it's, it's actually one thing with two sides of the coin. So, um, well, actually, I'll just tell you the one side that's more nefarious. Okay, so listen to this. Be mindful of this, okay? Be mindful of this. It is not uncommon. And if you're a longtime IT person in chat, um, you, can, you can either hashtag preach or you can call shenanigans on me and fact check me. Here's the deal. Vendors, like IT vendors, uh, I'm not going to name anyone specifically, product vendors, when they have product on their shelf that is legacy or antiquated or whatever, they will mark it down, even if it shouldn't be sold, right? I'm looking at like you, Windows XP, okay? Or Windows 7, whatever. It happened all the time at my academic medical center job. Someone comes in, they're like, oh, I want to buy this. I've got budget for this. Let me buy, I, I bought this, right? And it's like, you bought something that's already end of life, my friend. What, why? Why, 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 why? Okay, so... Be mindful when this quantum thing pops, there's going to be not immediately, but there will be a curve where, you know, I guess legacy systems will become less valued, less valuable. And if your business is moving to quantum, right? Quantum apps, quantum OS is all that stuff. And you're buying, you know, I guess two like binary bit, um, not binary bit, binary based operating systems, right? 64 bit, whatever. Like it's base two operating systems versus base three, which is what quantum is. Then you could get stuck holding the bag with some crap, okay? Also, I want to point out, and this is just like a fun fact, and my brain is like scrambled right now, so maybe this doesn't make sense. But another thing that I've seen 
people do. So if you have a procurement process in place that says, hey, before you buy any tech, InfoSec gets to look at it. I have seen, personally, I have seen instances where the vendor will sell um, 10,000 tongue depressors at a dollar a tongue depressor and then throw in a free Windows XP uh, MRI machine or whatever. I mean, it wasn't $10,000, but basically the, the tech doesn't show up on the bill of materials because it, it, you're not actually paying for it. Only the things you're paying for show up. So it's like, oh, tongue depressors doesn't apply here, um, but they're, they're squirreling it uh, through the pr procurement cycle. So just be mindful of that hack, if you will. Uh, it's not good. And if you have good processes, you'll eventually see that thing show up on your network and you're like, what the hell is this Windows XP box? Oh, it's a tongue depressor. No, it's not. It's not. All right, let me... Uh. Do you know I had someone in chat complain about that sound effect? I will turn that sound effect down a little bit, but they, they really did not like the spicy sound effect. All right, let's, let's do the read really quickly, and I'm going to read chat. Thanks to this week's episode sponsor, Code42. It's not just about the data leaving your company. What about the data coming in? Along with departing employees, new talent is also actively joining your organization. This poses cybersecurity challenges since they could be knowingly or unknowingly bringing data from their former company into your network. Code42 Insider, I-N-C-Y-D-R, is an insider risk management SaaS that provides a comprehensive understanding of your data exposure and shows which activities require security intervention. You can learn more at code42.com slash show me. That's code42.com slash show me. All right, real quick. Um, I do want to take a minute and just uh, call out one of the things that I'm working on. Uh, if you guys didn't see this, you can do exclamation point newsletter in chat right now. Every Monday uh, for the last two weeks, and I will do it indefinitely going forward. Every Monday, you can sign up to get a newsletter in your inbox that is waiting for you when you get to work that day. All right, it'll be close to the top of your inbox. What does this email do for me, Jerry? Why do I care? Listen, I break down three actionable steps for three different audiences. One for your end users, one for your peers, one for your executives. And I tell you in like two sentences exactly how to operationalize it, okay? You can take this. We already saw some people in chat who already operationalized it before they even got on the stream this morning. In my opinion, this has high utility and high value. So if you're interested in checking it out, go to exclamation point newsletter in chat and just sign up. It comes every Monday. If you have feedback because you've been getting it, please message me on Discord or LinkedIn or something and just give me some feedback. Because um, I want it to be you know, as, as best as it can be. All right. That's, that's all for that. Thank you. Google employees frustrated after back to office COVID outbreaks. Yeah. Google employees are receiving regular notifications from management regarding COVID-19 infections, causing some to question the company's return to office mandates. The employees who spoke with CNBC on the condition of anonymity said since they have been asked to return to their offices, infections notifications pop up in their email inboxes regularly. The company began requiring most employees to return to physical offices at least three days a week back in April. The outbreak in Los Angeles is currently the largest of any employer in the city, according to the city's public health dashboard. 
Deadline.com first reported that the tech giant's trendy Silicon Beach campus in Venice, California, recorded 145 infections, while 135 infections were recorded at the company's large Playa Vista campus. All right, so no surprise here. I mean, I don't have the vid myself, but I'm I'm frustrated. And I didn't go back to the office. I, I don't have an office. I'm in my office right now. But this doesn't surprise me, guys, right? Like, I'm not going to get into, uh, you know, all of the political parts of COVID and stuff like that. But the reality is it's more of an endemic now, not a pandemic, which means people can get it and we're not stressing out the hospital system. We have vaccines and testing and medicine and all this other jazz and information so whatever but the way it's transmiss transmitted it, it's obvious you you interact with people if you go back to the office you're probably going to do it i um want to here let me actually do something really quick i do track this this is a really cool little thing this is from a company called castle and they're like one of the biggest badge swipe companies in the united states maybe the world no one's really heard of them but they track how many swipes come in every day. This is from August 22nd. So a week ago, they'll probably post a new one tomorrow. You could see on average, 44% of people have, have basic, it's, it's basically 44% um, of people or, or, or weekly occupancy report, right? So there's, you know, 100 people have badges and 45 of them, 44 of them are going back to the badge. So we're, we're pretty close. There is a nice little histogram. Where is it? Oh, here it is. Let me see if I can show you all this. Right, this is a nice little histogram that shows you, you know, basically when when COVID first became a thing, and then right here there was a major drop, but it's coming back up. So you can see December of 2021, it was the highest it's been since uh, since pre-COVID. So, anyways, really interesting, not surprising, guys. This is not surprising me that there is a um, outbreak. So. I don't know. I have some thoughts about why these big big tech businesses are requiring people to go back to the office, and I don't think it has to do with productivity. Great cash, homie. That's what I think. There is no such money anywhere as there is in ransomware. The April ransomware attack on the Washington, D.C. Metropolitan Police Department, which the Babook gang claimed as one of theirs, was, according to Brian Krebs, masterminded by one Mikhail Mateev, who also <laughs> goes by the handle Waza Waka. In a recent interview with The Record, Mateev suggests that although ransomware as a business might likely die away in a few years, there is currently, quote, no such money anywhere as there is in ransomware, end quote. He claims it is even more lucrative than the dark web drug trade. The full interview with Mateev is available at The Record. That's really interesting. Um, I will be actually listening to this interview. It's, it's interesting when you can get a, a look behind the curtain and talk to a threat actor and understand what their motivations are. I mean, they're, they're criminals, right? So they're operating knowing that they're breaking the law and that there is a chance that um, justice will catch up with them one day. Uh, but, you know, Wazawaka, I, I, like this is, this, is, this is it right here, right? There's no such money anywhere as there is in ransomware. We've been saying that for years. And as he mentioned in the story, it may dissipate in a few years as we continue to get better uh, controls in place to protect and li like limit the the spread of ransomware incidents, but so like which even forces more of a, a, a like a, a a run on ransomware because threat actors know that at some point the well is going to dry up. So you got to get while the getting's good. 
it's not good. It's not good for us. California AG looks ahead to other data privacy violations after Sephora fine. California's Attorney General Rob Bonta is already looking ahead to the next potential violations of the California Consumer Privacy Act after issuing the state's first fine of $1.2 million to Paris-based makeup giant Sephora. While announcing the fine, which was part of a settlement with Sephora to resolve allegations the company violated the CCPA, Bonta said he also sent notices to, quote, a number of businesses, end quote, due to alleged non-compliance when it comes to processing computer opt-out requests. The violations center around the processing of consumer requests made through global privacy controls that allow people to opt out of all online sales in one click. Many businesses attempt to get around this by making users mm. click on opt-out links each time they visit a website. Last. All right, so this isn't surprising. It, it is interesting. So this story is more privacy-related than it is uh, cybersecurity-related, although cyber and privacy do overlap kind of a Venn diagram style. Sephora is getting hit for $1.2 million. They are a big target. Uh, other, you know, mom and pop businesses might be equally um, at fault in, in committing uh, California privacy law violations. But Sephora has got deep pockets. And I'm not saying that they were targeted because they can help fund California's <laughs> uh, budget. But it certainly makes big news. It's certainly, uh, there's certainly a lot of opportunity. Now, for what it's worth, Sephora, according to the um, indictment or whatever you want to call it, the the the, uh, the, the violation that was issued, um, they did all sorts of stuff like installed tracking software, didn't explain what was being sold um, of people's um, data, right? So they're being targeted. But I mean, I, at the same time, yeah, I'm I'm all for the privacy um, elements of this, but at the same time. I don't know. Like I'm like there's so many like accept all, accept all like pop-ups and stuff like that. Like I don't know if it's actually helping uh protect people's privacy or if it's just making things annoying. It seems like retailers are into making tracking uh your moves on on the web kind of in, not inconvenience, but like the experience is is friction full of friction unless you allow them to track and sell your data and stuff like that. So, uh kind of a frustrating thing. Weekend ransomware Last week's ransomware stories centered mostly around Lockbit, who saw their Tor data leak sites taken down by a DDoS attack shortly after claiming responsibility for a ransomware attack on the cybersecurity giant. Researchers released reports this week on a Genshin Impact anti-cheat driver being abused to terminate antivirus processes during ransomware attacks, and a new extortion group called Donut Leaks appeared. CyberScoop reported an overall rise in ransomware activity with a good deal emanating from North Korea. And finally, last week's ransomware attacks of note include Greek natural gas operator Desfa, a large French hospital, and Bombardier Recreational Products. Remember, we're taking... I do. Okay, so like as usual, this is really nice that there is a ransomware roundup. Um, you guys can collect this information and put together a nice little corpus of ransomware incidents across different industries, across different size uh, businesses. Like it's, it's, you should throw the Oprah emote, like you get a ransomware, you get a ransomware. Like there's, there's plenty of uh, ransomware here for everybody. So you can definitely use these roundups to put together a nice little um, data set to use for whatever you want, right? It, to convince management, to illustrate to the R&D folks um, that there is a problem to talk to engineering, to talk to IT, 
Um, one thing that I do think is interesting, remember this, uh, this was last week, but Intrust Data got compromised by Lockbit and they did a hackback attack. It is kind of funny that you can see the, distrib the distributed denial of service attack. They actually um, included this string in the uh, HTTP request being sent to um, Lockbit's uh, public-facing website. So basically, they were being quite clear in their messaging. So this would have shown up in lo if Lockbit was doing SecOps work, which I don't know if threat actors do SecOps, but if they were doing SecOps work, this would have shown up in their Splunk console, like, um, which is kind of funny. Like, to me, it, it's funny because they didn't have to go this far, right? They could have just done a distributed denial of service attack, and and that would have been it. But to take the time and effort to incorporate this strongly worded text string is pretty funny to me. <laughs> All right. Um, that's going to do it. Uh, I know it was a little bit quicker th this, uh, today guys, but I'm not feeling fantastic. And, uh, that's the deal. Um, I do want everyone to know I haven't made the card yet. Um, I was going to, my, my show for simply cyber live this Thursday was going to be one thing, but, uh, due to unforeseen circumstances that got, um, that got jettisoned. So in order to have a, uh, a backup plan for you guys, I reached out, I reached out to Matt Keeley yesterday. He's the guy who works for SimSpace. He, he's the author of the practical malware analysis and training course on TCM. The one that started that whirlwind of dollar courses, dollar in a dream campaign last week. Um, you know, I, I had, I had engaged with him a little bit, uh, during that campaign. Uh, and he seems like a really nice guy. So I asked him if he wanted to come on and talk about practical malware analysis, talk about red teaming, talk about whatever. He seems like a cool guy. I think it's going to be a great interview, a lot of value add for everybody in chat. So I, like I said, I haven't made the promotional card yet, but I will do that today or tomorrow when I'm feeling up to it. Um, so that's what's going on. And then obviously on Wednesday, we'll do the uh, threat gen red versus blue. Um, I'm trying to convince Jack Scott to take me on. Heads up. Uh, we are, the threat gen company is doing a, eight team invitational tournament in September, uh, single elimination, red versus blue winner take all tournament. And I am playing Jack Scott in the first round of that tournament. So I wanted to see if she wanted to do a exhibition, uh, match this Wednesday. So we'll see. I'm, I'm calling you. Hey, Jack, there you are. I'm calling you out to the, uh, to the, um, I don't know, like out onto the stage or whatever. I don't know. Thanks Elizabeth. I appreciate that guys. Yeah. Thanks so much, everybody. Have a great day. Um, if, like I said, if you have any feedback on the actionable Intel newsletter, please uh, send it to me. Otherwise, um, who, who's playing in the tournament? Um, yeah, let me... Actually, I can show you right now. If you go to esports.threatgen.com, you can see here's the actual tournament. Um... Uh, I, yeah, I don't know how to, I don't know how to show it as like a, a bracket, but you could see here, David Meese is playing Stacy Loki and I am playing Jack Scott on Monday. And then on Tuesday is the second, uh, oh, here it is. If you guys are interested. Hold on, let me see if I can zoom in. Okay. So me and Jack Scott, David Meese will be playing Stacy Loki. Ken Underhill will be playing Cyber Matt Lee. And Barricades, Eric Taylor will be playing none other than Josh, Josh Mason. 
Eric Taylor's been on a bit of a tear, so we're looking to unseat him. Uh, but yeah, so this is it. This will be um, Monday, September 19th. This will be Tuesday, September 20th. The second round will be Wednesday, September 21st. And then the championship match right here will be on uh, Friday, September 23rd or whatever it is. So if you're interested, uh, come come check it out. We've got like jerseys made up. There's going to be like um, more, more uh, marketing and awareness around this, but I'm super pumped. It's going to be a lot of fun uh, if you're into that. Yeah, definitely. Eric Taylor needs to be put, knocked down a peg. <laughs> Excuse me. All right, guys. Thanks. Thanks for being great. Have a wonderful day, and we will talk to you tomorrow at 8 a.m. Cheers, everybody.